and everything's good to go. <clears throat> Y'all please give me your best and your full attention. Wait a second, before you hit record on everything, I know um, Brandon was saying that a friend of his, his, their son got hit by a car today. So if we could pray for them, okay? Uh, I think the name of the parent was Tatiana. So, Father, we agree together right now for this family. Lord, we pray for comfort. And, Lord, I pray that not only for comfort for this family, but, Lord, we pray for healing for um, this little boy or, or little girl. I think it's a little boy that was hit. Lord, we pray for a full recovery. And, Lord, we ask you that your angels watch over this family. And, Lord, we just bind anything of the enemy that would try to take advantage of this in any way and, and cause um, you know, death or destruction, whatever. We just bind that in Jesus' name. But, Lord, bring life, bring health, restoration, and your peace and comfort during this time. Lord, we bless them. And that somehow through this, you'll be glorified. And we thank you for it. And let your purposes be fulfilled. And that, that family really come to know you in a deeper way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you could um, bring the volume down on this just a little bit. This mic's just a little hot. All right. I'm going to open up with prayer tonight as we get into the word of the Lord. And y'all please give me your best ear tonight. Help me just as little moving around as possible. This, this sermon, I really feel like the enemy doesn't want it preached. And that means that it definitely needs to be preached, doesn't it? But I, I've felt some resistance against this word tonight. So, Father, we agree together. And Lord, we ask you tonight, as this word goes forth, that the precious Holy Spirit just move upon every person that's going to be hearing this or watching this. And that there would be a strong anointing. And Lord, that your Holy Spirit, as he moves upon all of us, help us to be good soil for the, work of the, for the word of the Lord, rather. Lord, that the Holy Spirit move upon our minds to help us to not be distracted, but locked in to get everything out of this. And Lord, I pray that our eyes and ears be eyes and ears of the Spirit. And Lord, that we, we are good, fertile soil of hearts and minds. And that you would speak through me. Your words of life as living seeds of truth that everything will be said that needs to be said under a strong anointing and it will go out and be sown in a good fertile soil, watered by the Holy Spirit, take root, grow, and produce a hundredfold harvest of eternal fruit that remains till Jesus comes. Um, let everything be spoken that needs to be and let the winds of your spirit carry this everywhere it needs to go. And Lord, we, we take authority over anything that would try to hinder the word. As we know the birds of the air try to steal the seed and we take authority in the name of Jesus. We bind you right now. You will back off this right now in Jesus' name. Lord, let your angels just clear all that out and be around me and, and those that are going to be listening or watching. And let this be powerful and let everything be accomplished through the word of God that's released out that your will be done. We stand on the promise. It will not return void, but will go forth and accomplish that which you sent it forth to do. So Lord, we thank you for hearing and answering these prayers now in Jesus' name. All right, well, I've been dealing with the spirit of Jezebel, which I believe is one of the great, great enemies of revival, okay? And so really in this series, I'm dealing more with revival than anything else. And last week we talked about deep intercession. And boy, we need that deep, powerful prayer and intercession. You know, in, in a day and age that we're living in these latter days, we need prayer more than we probably ever have. And yet it seems like the devil's trying to get people, a lot of ministries, to not pray. You know, we need it in this time more than any other time. We need powerful prayer. We need powerful intercessors raised up. You know, we pray that here in River of Life many times. We pray that God will raise up intercessors around the world that will really be used of him. And we need that. All right. So anyways, I'm going through this tonight. In dealing with uh, witchcraft in general, that's what Jezebel's spirit operates in is witchcraft. And it has to do with illegitimate authority. You have to understand that God has his kingdom authority. That, for example, in the home operates through the husband, the head of the home. And then the wife is under that authority, submitted in everything as unto the Lord. And then children are un under parental authority. And that's kingdom authority. And then within the local church, there's, you know, whether it be apostles and prophets and pastors, etc. But there's, there's an authority that's established. And then there's people that are under them that are, you know, maybe staff or leaders. And then you have everyone else in the church. But there's lines of authority. 
And the Jezebel spirit has a lot to do with rebellion and witchcraft against authority. It's in a rebellious spirit will try to buck up against authority. And a Jezebel spirit will always try to go around authority, usurp authority, buck up against authority. But it, it has everything to do with rebellion and it wants to create illegitimate authority where people that have no business being in a, a charge or whatever are now in charge and it creates all kinds of confusion i mean we could look at this in many examples but i'll probably just use the home but when you have husbands that are not spiritual leaders but you have wives now trying to usurp that authority and exert themselves to be ahead of the home and and to rule over the husband that is pure witchcraft it's a jezebel spirit and it brings all kinds of chaos and confusion and it it creates this this situation where the home is going to be very strifeful and very dysfunctional now within the church it's the same thing you have lines of authority but you got people that don't want to come under authority and submit to authority and so they're going to try to buck up against authority but eventually they want to find a way to begin to try to control the authority is everybody following me they want to get themselves in a position to where if they themselves cannot um, become the authority at least they can control the authority so you have to discern this because the jezebel spirit is very sneaky and it is a deadly spirit it will kill revival in a church and it will release in a church like a curse and all kinds of health problems will break out oppression like you wouldn't believe literally bringing like a um, confusion all kinds of depression in people's lives it is a horrible spirit but i believe when you're going to see a great revival jezebel is one of the main spirits that the devil will send against that revival especially if that move of god has anything to do with like a spirit of elijah a prophetic type of edge to it which most revivals do that's what Jezebel's after also is the prophetic voice of the Lord. So just like a snake has two fangs, Jezebel, it's a spirit of witchcraft, it has two fangs, okay? One side of witchcraft has to do with witchcraft of the flesh, and this is simply just manipulation, intimidation, and control. Somebody can be very manipulative this can come in many forms whether it's they try to be sexually seductive or they try to be really flattering or they try to give gifts or whatever it is they try to manipulate a person or some people are very loud and they try to be intimidating they're loud and boisterous they try to uh you know somehow one way or another maybe blackmail a person or they try to publicly humiliate them they'll they'll um, say things in front of their kids to humiliate and tear them down things like that to try to intimidate and break them down to bring them under their control that is witchcraft of the flesh because that's the flesh nature in operation but let me tell you it'll start in the flesh but it will become demonic quickly and the demonic will ride on that and empower that and so when that person's doing that trying to manipulate or intimidate there is literally a power coming off of them that will try to oppress you and confuse you and disorient you also not only of the flesh but then you have witchcraft of the dark arts which i won't talk too much about but i do need to mention these are people that have learned to actually cooperate with demon spirits i mean it's not this is not complicated at all but people that a lot of church people just don't know anything about it these are people that are witches or you know they're into some form of the occult and they try to they can do different things through different rituals things that they're doing things that they're saying incantations spells but they're trying to conjure up and release demonic spirits and they'll release curses or they'll release some kind of a spell to control and they release that against people and that's another form of witchcraft but again what do both of these fangs have in common they are ultimately meant to control you 
Did everybody catch that? Did you know Derek Prince said this? He said in one of his writings, he said, I believe that if I was to ask you what is the greatest hindrance to your destiny in God, he said, I could give you several guesses and you probably would never guess what I would, I would suggest to you. But he said, here's what it is. He said, it is witchcraft. And when I read that, I thought, man, he's spot on. But he was talking about how various forms of witchcraft, you have to understand, even well-meaning Christians that, that they're using their foul um, you know, words against you, to speak against you, to gossip against you, to, it's like the accuser of the brethren, words have power. People don't mean to, but sometimes they're praying and their prayers are more accusing and negative against leaders, against churches. What is that? That's witchcraft. So you can call that soulish prayer. So here you have people that are even Christians that are using their authority in Christ because they're born again to literally have word curses and soulish prayers that they're releasing against people and they may not even realize that they're doing it but it's demonic and it's powerful and you've got to break the power of that but then of course as I've already mentioned you have people that actually practice the dark arts and they know what they're doing and they're trying to release something to control Again, what you're dealing with here is the element of control. So witchcraft is rebellion against God and his true authority. And all forms of witchcraft are going to be demonic and Jezebel rules over this. So just understand whether it's of the flesh or it's of the dark arts or whatever, this is something that's demonic and it's meant to oppress and control people. And as long as witchcraft is able to oppress and kind of control uh, an individual or a church that individual and or that church may never truly move into their destiny in God until they break that control did everybody hear me that's what Derek Prince was talking about it's the greatest hindrance to your destiny in God is some kind of a witchcraft control that's trying to come against you This is really basic. I've taught a lot on this, but there's a lot of people online that, that join us now that have never heard probably any of this taught. But I encourage you, if, if you want to know more, because I'm not going to dwell on this, read the book my wife and I wrote. You can read it for free on our website about the Jezebel spirit. But Jezebel rules over any type of witchcraft, idolatry, immorality, and bloodshed. Jezebel is the principal spirit that rules over the abortion industry, over Planned Parenthood, Jezebel is the queen of that bloodshed I'm just telling you and that's why you you heard those that have any discernment you heard whenever things began to shift in the courts and it was a threat to begin to take down abortion you literally heard people shrieking and screaming and it was like demonic spirits were manifesting you know you know who sits over all that Jezebel Jezebel is the principal spirit behind um, sexual immorality of any kind but you see like the LGBT and you see various forms of sexual immorality pornography lust um, you're seeing now not only rampant homosexuality but even this whole uh, gender confusion um, trying to make men into women women into men it's it's pure satanic and it's a Jezebel spirit Jezebel also rules over realms of idolatry that's why it's so strong in Roman Catholicism because Roman Catholicism has idols everywhere all right that's all that I have time to talk about with this but you have to I just want to say this again the Jezebel spirit you need to learn about it it's a serious enemy and it is a major threat to revival you cannot tolerate it at all you have to discern it and you have to be willing to deal with it the prophetic side of things somebody that's a prophet or somebody that can move in and out of the prophetic office and get revelation from the Lord discerning that aspect will expose Jezebel but you have to understand that it takes the authority figure to deal with it and they have to be willing to deal with it
All right. So as we move now beyond this, let's look at some things about revival. Rick Joyner had a prophetic vision back, I believe, in the late 80s, and he was talking about God showed him a great revival to come. He said it would have two waves. The first wave was what we experienced in the 90s, but there was a much bigger wave after that, which we have not experienced yet, and I believe that's on the horizon. But in this vision, the way God revealed this to him was he saw a surfer with a surfboard. And he saw a wave coming in, but the surfer had to be ready to catch the wave. And there were people out there that were simply just not ready for whatever reason. Some of them had built themselves up like a bodybuilder so much that their muscles kind of looked grotesque. But they weren't really in the type of physical shape, though, that you would need to be a really good surfer. It was more for showing off. And he saw that surfboards were not necessarily ready either. Some of these people had focused so much on their outer appearance, they didn't even have, a, have an adequate surfboard. It was just too small and it wasn't ready. Anyway, when the wave hit, some of these people, the wave beat them half to death and they ended up in the hospital. So the wave of revival can work against some people. But he said that they, many of them began to learn from their mistakes and they wanted to be ready for the next wave. But anyway, so his point in this vision was this, and I, I love this. He said that, number one, this is all spiritual, okay? He said we need to be adequ adequately trained and in shape spiritually. So how do you prepare yourself spiritually? You pray you fast, you begin to spend time with the Lord, you get into the Word, and you begin to develop yourself spiritually. The next thing was, he said that you have to have the proper board in place. The proper board, the surfboard, had to be the right kind. And this speaks of your ministry. Your ministry has to be made ready to catch this wave, okay? Then number three, he said you need to be properly positioned. You need to discern where the wave is going to break and get there. So the wave that was coming, the surfer had to go out at the right distance and he had to be looking for the wave so that when the wave started coming, he could turn and begin to paddle with the wave and get on the board. He had to be positioned. Is everybody following this? The next one, he said that you had to be watching so that you can, at the proper time, begin to really move with the wave. I mean, those, if you're not looking and a wave comes down on you, it can knock you senseless. I mean, you guys have ever been out in the ocean, you've experienced that, because I have. I've been. <laughs> hey, you put somebody in Texas out in the ocean, I don't know, I didn't know what to do. I was a kid, but anyway, I figured it out eventually. But you get out there and these waves come in and you've got to learn to catch that and ride with it. And that's what he's saying. So watch and be ready to move with it. Then the last one was to be ready to act without hesitation that when the wave breaks, you're going to ride the wave. So let me read those again. Be ready, prepare yourself, get in shape. Number two, have the proper board in place. Your ministry's ready. That you're ready, but the ministry's ready. Number three, that you're properly positioned. You discern where God's going to move. Number four, be watching. And then number five, that you're ready to move with the wave and ride the wave, okay? And this, this has to do with, I believe, God's grace that when God puts somebody over a family or over a church or whatever, there is a certain level of discernment that God gives people to be doing what they're doing. And so even in the natural, you look at a shepherd and sheep, the sheep are down on all fours and the sheep's vision is limited to that scope. But a shepherd is up on two legs and has a higher vision and many times can see further down than what the sheep can. And God gives shepherds vision to begin to see sometimes some things that are coming that are good, but also some things that are coming that may be a threat like a wolf so that you can deal with it. So God is, is looking for shepherds that have developed spiritual vision 
and that will you know use their rod of authority but also sheep in the natural sometimes will regurgitate their food when their shepherd is absent so sheep need a shepherd and we know jesus is our great shepherd but he's given there to be pastors over churches and it's very necessary uh, it's interesting because in revelation 12 verse 1 the bible says that the dragon stood before the woman she, there was this woman in heaven now, i realize i understand the end time prophecy that it speaks of israel and i know all of that but in this particular vision a woman's about to give birth and the dragon stood in front of the woman to devour the child when it came forth I'm not going to get into any end time prophecy that's not the point I want you to see this that right as that baby was going to be born how many knows that there's very little that's that is more defenseless than a newborn baby when God first does something when revival first is birthed it's like a newborn baby you really got to guard that revival and the devil will many times attack things at an infancy stage because he knows that when it's a vulnerable little infant he can attack it but once it grows into maturity he's got a fight on his hands once revival is developed and once people have developed in revival and it's become like an army he knows that he's in trouble at that point but he'll try to hit things at an infancy stage and you see that in the life of Moses you remember how satan stirred up pharaoh to try to take moses out when he was an infant he had all these other babies killed but he knew something was up you remember when jesus was born satan stirred up herod to try to take jesus out when he was a baby and he had all these other babies killed but the angel of the lord spoke to joseph to go to egypt satan always tries to attack things at an infancy stage so i'm just telling you i'm out i'm moving now out of just this jezebel stuff i'm moving now into warnings about revival revival is a major threat to the devil and the dragon tries to stand before a woman about to give birth to destroy that child try to take out this revival at that at that infancy stage so right as revival begins to break out in the days to come a river of life just be ready for any type of warfare that the devil would try to bring against it so I'm going to give you about 10 things here to watch out for when revival begins to break out. Number one is watch out for division. The Bible says a kingdom divided cannot stand. Satan's greatest weapon is division. And the greatest way that he sows division is by people getting offended and people gossiping. Let me say that again the greatest way that he sows division is by people getting offended many times by petty things but they begin to gossip about one another it spreads through the church and it's it causes division so jesus said blessed are the peacemakers and i'm telling you now that any time gossip or any type of division is around you let me encourage you that you go out of your way to not foster that to not enable that but you do everything within your ability to try to tell that person they need to forgive and to take them to the other person and try to be a peacemaker let me tell you what not to do this is the worst thing you can do you ready you begin to listen to them and you begin to take on their offense and you kind of join their side and you begin to join them in the gossip that is exactly what the demonic wants you to do but how you can go against the devil is you tell them you need to forgive i don't want to hear it i don't want to hear any more gossip you need to forgive them let's go talk to them and let's bring peace in this situation let's bring healing here that's a peacemaker okay but don't be a part of any division in the future number two religious spirits man a religious spirit operates through criticism fault finding debating and it's everything to do with man's control it's very legalistic that's why you got to be careful don't be surprised when revival breaks out down through history every move of god has always had great critics many times they're very loud 
Some of them even write books about it. Um, it they're just, they're critics. And they don't realize it, but they're actually used of the devil to oppose moves of God. And Steve Hill did a great job of going back and talking about historic revivals. And then, of course, Brownsville and every other move of God has had their share of critics. But we just need to be ready that that's not going to affect you. And let me tell you, in regards to a religious spirit, I remember just talking with John Davis, and I really love his ministry, but he was telling me that in regards to prayer meetings that he's been doing sometimes, he said he just kind of goes by invitation only. Because he said that sometimes you get different people there that just don't need to be there. Y'all know what I'm talking about. And he's funny, some of his expressions, he said some of them come in packing critters. And what he's talking about is they have demons in their life. And he said that they come in packing their critters. And, and then he said others come in and, they've, um, and they're there for the wrong reasons. And then he said, then you've got the spectator crowd. And they just, they're just sitting around watching, you know. So it's trying to get people together that, that have one mind and one heart that are going to really go after God. And a religious spirit tries to really come against what I just said right there. They, they hate that unity, collectively really going after God. But a religious spirit wants everything to be controlled by man. So in a church service or whatever, here's a religious spirit. They'll give you some kind of piece of paper and it'll say from 10 to 10 12 we're going to do this from 10 12 to 10 15 we're going to do this from 10 15 to 10 30 we got this and they've got everything you know what that is that's man being completely in control whenever you come in and, and you have kind of a loose structure that we kind of know to some degree what we're going to do but it's loose the holy spirit to come in and do what he wants to do worship may take a different direction it may go longer maybe shorter you know the altar time may be lengthy whatever but it's just kind of moving with the holy spirit what happens is is you're creating there a wineskin for god to really pour into but whenever you have things so structured like that what i just mentioned that's a wineskin that god cannot pour into because it will burst you remember Jesus talked about the wineskin? An old wineskin was no longer flexible. That was the point. And so if you put new wine into an old skin, it wasn't flexible at all. It would actually burst because the wine would expand and it would crack it open, it would pour out. And he said it'll ruin the wineskin and the wine. So it's pointless to try to put new wine in an old wineskin. So in other words, what that's saying is, is God cannot send a fresh move of God into some old crusty wineskin people have got to create a wineskin that can handle what god is wanting to pour in and you've got to be flexible you gotta let god be willing to stretch you and change you and here's some warnings of of great revivals of times past one of the greatest revivals in israel's history came through david David was the really the first king that really had a heart for God. Saul was not the greatest king. But David came right after the period of the judges. Samuel was the last judge. He anointed David. When David came to power, David brought in praise and worship. He brought in uh, really honoring the priesthood, honoring the ark of God's presence. God gave him great victory over his enemies. He was used to help get things ready for the temple to be built. And it was nothing short of a great revival in Israel's history, no doubt. But here's the problem. Even in the midst of great revival, David fell with the story of Bathsheba where he ended up watching a woman bathe. Then he falls into lust and ends up having sex with her. And because of that, he tries to cover up his crime against God and he ends up having the husband killed and so here David is in the midst of great revival and it in many ways David is an incredible awesome man of God in fact he's one of my favorite people in the Bible but at this period in his life he really blew it and this is in the midst of God using him so mightily let me just warn you to be careful 
During times of revival, don't relax. Stay on your guard. That's why, too, whenever we pray for people on the altar and some people fall under the power, you know, we always try, my wife has some kind of a, a prayer cloth or something to place over them, and we're just trying to cover people and make sure there's nothing in any way that will cause any lust or anything like that or any embarrassment because sometimes people fall in an awkward way. We try to cover everybody so that everything is just right with God in that area. But I'm going to tell you, be careful because even in the midst of great revival, you cannot let your guard down. You've got to keep your focus and stay on guard, okay? Even being wise and careful how you pray with other people. Not allowing anything that would cause any type of lust. Amen? All right, the next warning has to do with idolatry. Again, great revival. Moses, he's leading the children of Israel out of Egypt. This is nothing short of a major, major revival with signs and wonders that are accompanying it. I mean, think about the great signs and wonders that were being poured out right there in full view of everybody. But even though there was great revival, can you tell them to keep it down, please? Go back there. Even though there was great revival that was taking place, the golden calf sprung up in the midst of great revival, and it ended up that even in the midst of great revival, that there came in great deception as well. And let me just warn you, that the Bible talks about 1 Timothy 4.1. It talks about seducing spirits and doctrines of demons. Even in the midst of great revival, there can be great deception if you're not careful. How in the world did Israel get to a place that in the midst of this great revival, God is showing himself mighty that they still build this golden calf, that they begin to dance around and worship? Great deception came in. Make sure that you stay close to the Lord, that you stay in the Word of God, and you listen to those Christ has put over you, that you do not allow any type of major deception or any type of idol worship or anything weird to begin to creep in. The feeling I have here is deception. How did Israel get deceived like this? Also, the next thing I want to point out is rebellion. Even in the midst of this great revival, God sent the children, you know, Moses brought them out. Now the tabernacle is built. And think about it, the fire of God's presence is over the Holy of Holies in full view of everybody. A time of great revival where God himself is tabernacled among his people. And even in the midst of this, rebellion sprung up. We know the story of Korah, Dathan, and Abiram. In Numbers 16 and Jude 8, it's mentioned, but God hates rebellion. And Korah, he stirred up this rebellion against Moses and against Aaron. And this rebellion really had to do with the fact that he wanted to be in charge. He wanted to be the high priest, but Aaron was chosen instead of him. That's really what it was about. How many times people get jealous and then it leads into rebellion? And I've always contended that you really don't know if somebody is submitted to authority until they're told no about something that they want to do. Then everybody's going to know if they're submitted to authority. Or they're asked to do something they don't want to do. But the Bible says, and I believe it's Hebrews 13, 17, if you can look it up, but it says to obey those that rule over you as those who will give an account. And what was it that Lucifer did I know he was lifted up with pride but Lucifer rebelled remember what did Adam and Eve do in the garden I know Eve was deceived but ultimately God told them don't eat the fruit what did they do they rebelled God cannot bless rebellion God hates rebellion and you got to be careful that even in the midst of revival that there doesn't spring up pride or some kind of a jealousy or something that will cause people to start trying to rebel. Make sure and stay under authority. God will bless you if you're under authority and you're submitted to authority, but he cannot bless rebellion. If you don't always agree with something, don't always understand something, pray 
that God, you know, help the leaders and just bless them and pray for them because God knows how to deal with authority. But if you start bucking up against authority and being rebellious, you're setting yourself up where the enemy is going to be able to influence your life, okay? All right. Um, I would also say in that, I've preached along these lines many times in the past, but we've got new people coming to River of Life now that haven't heard this sermon. We've got other people online. And let me just warn you to be careful about the free-for-all about laying on of hands. I never have felt comfortable with that. And that was one of the things I really loved and honored about Brownsville was that the pastor over the Brownsville Revival had the wisdom to make sure that people were screened. They didn't just let anybody lay hands on anybody. And that, that created a safe haven where you could go there knowing that the people that were praying over you were those that were directly approved by the leadership of that church. They knew them, they knew their life. And I believe that some moves of God could have been a lot more powerful, but I've seen where, where people just kind of let a free-for-all take place, where just anybody's praying for anybody, and this goes on night after night after night after night. And what happens is, is you got people coming in there that have no business laying hands on anybody. And God will begin to have to withdraw his spirit and have to let that thing disband because it's not being it's no longer a safe place for people now it's a place where people spiritually can be hurt and God's not going to bless that all right number six as I mentioned earlier witchcraft control I'm just going to read over this but Satan will try to sow in little Jezebels into places of revival and you'll see that it's many times it's very subtle left-handed comments little innuendos here and there but ultimately they're going to try to belittle the male authority they're going to try to manipulate or intimidate they'll also have witchcraft type prayers to pray their will also women will not submit to their husbands church people don't want to submit to leadership it creates all kinds of confusion it can result in severe attacks of depression and discouragement and fear and let me tell you that moves of God many times have been really hindered by Jezebel's spirit. You have to discern it and you have to deal with it and clear it out of the church. And as I mentioned in this series already, pray it out. Number seven, watch out for evil men. Not everybody that comes through a church door is a man or woman of God. In Nehemiah 13, 4 through 10, it was kind of an interesting story because Nehemiah was sent by God to build this wall. And here, here this great revival comes. Think about it for a minute. Israel's been in Babylonian captivity for 70 years. Daniel, had, uh, Daniel began to really pray. His prayers were powerful. It, it began a series of events, but the king began to allow Ezra to go back and rebuild the temple and and there were prophets there like Zechariah who was prophesying to him don't be discouraged it's not going to be by human effort this is going to be done by the Spirit of God and the glory of this latter house will be greater than the former and he meant the presence of God so there were prophets it was like a great revival of restoration coming and then after Ezra went back and began the laying of the foundation of the temple, now Nehemiah went back and he's re rebuilding the walls around Jerusalem to build up the fortification to protect the city. And while Nehemiah is rebuilding the walls, he's got warriors with him. He's got people that have to have one hand with a trowel, you know, dipping it down and doing like this and they had to have another hand on the sword because there was such hostility around them they had to be ready to fight at any time but yet they kept moving forward and Nehemiah told them just focus on the wall in front of you and if everybody will do that we're going to build this wall well while they're doing that there were some wicked men of the Samaritans Sanballat, Tobiah, some others like that that really were in opposition to this move of God. And I mean the entire time that Nehemiah is trying to build this wall and do what God's called him to do, 
Sanballat, Tobiah, and others in their little group were mocking them. They were making fun of them. They were, they were sit back and laugh at them, say, even if a fox scurried along this wall, it would come crumbling down. You're wasting your time. They tried to send reports back to the king to say that they're stirring up a rebellion to try to get the king to come and put it into it. They did everything in their power to hinder this move of God. You understand what I'm saying? So Nehemiah, after they finally build the wall, the temple's built. Nehemiah leaves for out of town, comes back, and some random priest had allowed Tobiah <laughs> to have like a bedroom in the temple area. After all that he did, some random priest let him stay. Anyway, so Nehemiah hears about it and loses his temper as well he should have and goes in there and grabs Tobiah and kicks him out and takes all of his stuff, throws out in the street and says, get out of here. But let me tell you something. Here's the warning. You've you got to be careful with evil men because there are people that will try to slip in that they are trouble and given the opportunity they will be very divisive and cause a lot of problems in the church I remember there was a pastor I love and respect and we've spent a lot of time together and as he left this particular church he was at going to another church there was a man there and I always knew I was just somebody that attended there but I always knew that this guy there was just something about him and the pastor told me as he left the church he said so-and-so, and he told me his name, he said that man behind the scenes probably did more to hinder this church than anybody in its history. But in the, if you saw him in the natural, he just kind of was a, uh, somebody got along with everybody and nobody would have known it. But behind the scenes, he caused more problems for that church. There's evil men. My opinion about it, it was that pastor, it was his church and he somehow worked around things, but it may just be my personality type, but I would have been praying night and day for God to get rid of that guy. And I promise you that God answers my prayers. And that guy would have been, that's just the way I, I see it. But anyway, moving on. And then number eight is betrayal. There was a man by the name of Gedediah. So we have to watch out for evil men, but you have to watch out also for betrayal. And this is interesting because during the days of Jeremiah the prophet there was a man named Gedediah that came to power and he was a good man if I remember right maybe like a governor or something over the people I can't remember off the top of my head but he was a good man and the warning came to him that there was going to be an assassination attempt but Gedediah said no it's not going to don't worry about it it's just gossips no big deal and then next news you know he's dead and so the lesson here is, is that sometimes you don't always feel certain things that are a threat and you don't need to be passive about warnings that come to you from the Lord. You really need to pray about everything because if Gedediah had sought the Lord about it, instead of just blowing it off, the Lord would have confirmed to him that it was a credible threat and maybe he could have remained in power for some time and lived out his full lifespan, amen? Number nine, and this is a big one too, is man's worship. Gideon's ephod. During a time of great revival, once again, Israel was in the period of the judges. There was so many problems they had. And um, there was a time that God raised up a man named Gideon. You guys, many of you know the story. The angel appeared to him and said, man, uh, you know, that you're a valiant, mighty warrior, and he's like looking around, who me, and all that. And God raised him up, and God really used him to bring deliverance to the people of Israel. It was a time of great revival, so to speak. But at the end of that, the people said, well, what can we do for you? And Gideon said, well, I'll just throw this, um, my fleece down on the ground here. Just everybody take off like an earring or a ring or whatever and throw it in there. And that was like his fee. But here's the problem. He took it and he, built, he created an ephod. But the people began to worship the ephod and it became a snare to them. 
Gideon should have never allowed that, should have never put up with that. During times of great revival, God will use people, ordinary people in church, ordinary pastors, ordinary leaders, ordinary worship leaders. But in times of revival, God will use them in an extraordinary way. God will use people in the church in an extraordinary way. Great miracles will happen. And we have to be very careful that you, you know, we remain in a, in a posture of honoring people and loving people, but we don't get to worshiping people or worshiping their gifting. See, that was what was a snare. There was nothing wrong with the people honoring Gideon and even giving him something, and they respected him. There was nothing wrong with that, but when that ephod was made and they began to worship him, that was when it was wrong. So be careful that it doesn't move into any type of worship of man or man's gifting or man's anointing or the worship of a church. I remember, you know, this is during my lifetime and I was there and I saw it. That's why I many times refer to things like Browns on Toronto because I physically was there. I saw it. But I saw how there was some goofy stuff that people would go there and God would touch them so powerfully. Then they would go back and they would try to mimic exactly I'll give you an example. There was one church that went back and tried to, to get like the name tags of the ushers to be the exact same as the name tags there. And, other, and everything else, trying to somehow, it can get weird. You know what I'm saying? That has nothing to do with anything. That is not why revival came, my friend, I promise you. And, I, and Brownsville never wanted anything like that. They, they thought stuff like that was weird. But what do you do? You know, people come, they go home, they do what they're going to do. But the point is, is don't ever get to a place where you're worshiping a place, worshiping a church, even worshiping worship music, worshiping revival, making an idol out of things. You've got to be careful with that. All of the worship needs to go to the Lord. Everything goes goes up toward him it points to him humanity has a tendency to make idols i think it's just in the sinful nature but it's a tendency number 10 watch out for greed and the love of money do you remember the story that actually this came up in some of our bible studies we've been doing so those that have been going along with the bible studies will remember this but there was a man um Naaman the leper came to Elisha. And Elisha just told him, go dip in Jordan seven times. He got upset because he thought, you know, surely he, Elisha should have come out, prayed over me or something. All he did was just tell me, go dip in the Jordan. There's rivers back in my hometown. There's rivers in my hometown that are cleaner than the Jordan. He was getting kind of upset here. And his servant said to him, Naaman, if the man of God had asked you to do some great feat, would you have not done it? All he asked you to do was something very simple, to go dip in the Jordan. Why not try it? So he listened, he went, and he dipped in the Jordan, and he was completely healed of leprosy. It was a major miracle. And what God was doing at this time was through the life of Elisha. Elisha, there was a great revival about him, a strong anointing. You should read about the life of Elisha. It's amazing. But during this time of great revival, there was his servant, Naaman, came to Elisha and wanted to give him a big offering. And Elisha said, I don't feel to receive anything from you. Um, just take whatever you have brought back home with you. And he didn't receive any type of an offering from him. But Gehazi went against the word of the Lord and chased Naaman down and took all that for himself. And it was like a greed or a love of money that came on Gehazi. And because of that, Gehazi had the same leprosy come on him that had left Naaman. You got to watch out to keep a right heart about finances as well. And let me just say this too. The way God deals with our hearts in regards to money is are we faithful with our tithes and offerings? That's how God deals with it. Because those of us that have surrendered that, that say, Lord, it belongs to you. We're not going to steal it. And you have a right heart about tithes and offerings. And you're a giver. God can trust you. 
those that don't have a right heart about their giving, there's something in them that is not right. And they usually are the very people that have tendencies about greed and materialism. God will get that out of you in your giving, okay? And let me close with a couple things. Church scandals and setups. Things need to be in place. And let me warn you, those of you that are going to be in any type of leadership position at all in any way, be careful to never be alone with the opposite sex. And in the weird, disgusting day and age that we're living now, you even have to be careful being alone with the same sex now. I mean, who would have ever thought it would get as weird as it's gotten? I don't want to rabbit trail off my sermon, but things have gotten just weird. But be careful to not be alone with the opposite sex and don't have yourself in a situation where somebody could accuse you of something. Have others around you as a buffer. I don't meet with people unless my wife or somebody else is there for this very reason. As people have been falsely, there's ministers out there that have been falsely accused, but it was their word against somebody else. What can you do? Also, you need to have things in place, and this is more for the leaders, this part of it, but you need to have things in place where nobody's going to be accused of anything financially, which we've done a really good job about that here. So you have things where, where different people are counting the money, there's accountability, things are in place to where nobody's going to be accused of anything because everything is not only above board but above reproach. That's the way to put it. Here are some mistakes that have been made in history. As I've studied revival history, one of the great mistakes of Welsh revival, Azusa Street and others was this. And maybe even Hebrides was revival caught them so off guard that they didn't have any type of discipleship in place. Remember Finney. Charles Finney said if Revival comes because you pray it in. He said it's no great mystery. If you go out in a field, you plow the field, you plant wheat, wheat's going to come up. So you need to be expecting wheat to come up. In the same way, if we're praying for revival, we need to expect that revival's going to come. It's faith. So therefore, we need to have things in place when it does come. Does that make sense? So there's revivals in history that have not had discipleship in place. And because of that, it, it really struggled. And some of the people ended up falling away. There's a scripture, I believe, in Mark where Jesus said that this plant sprung up quickly, but it had no roots. And then the sun scorched it and it withered. You've got to have roots, okay? And that comes from discipleship. The next thing, a great tendency in revival is giving in to the temptation to control the revival. When revival breaks out, don't try to make it into a denomination. Don't try to put this label on it. It's ours and nobody else's. Don't try to build up walls and contain it. Don't try to tell people they're not welcome to the revival because you don't believe like we do. See what I'm saying? Don't try to control the revival because the Holy Spirit will just leave. Also, many revivals fall short because they, they neglect to honor those that have gone on before them. Make sure and honor the fathers and mothers of the faith. And I thought that Steve Hill did a fantastic job of that in the Brownsville Revival. He was continually honoring the fathers and mothers of the faith. You guys remember that? Remember hearing sermons where he brought up people of the past? He talked favorably about William Seymour. He talked about the Great Cambridge Revival. He was a student of, of revival history, but he honored these moves of God at times past. And because he honored the fathers and mothers of the faith, God gave Brownsville longevity and blessed it. Also, because revival spread uncontrollably like a forest fire, there's a temptation to try to control them. So as revival spreads, let's say that revival breaks out here, people come, they get prayer, then we start hearing about all these other revivals breaking out in different places. 
that happened in the 90s. Don't try to control it. It's a wildfire. Let God do it. You say, God, be in charge of the fire, okay? If you start trying to make phone calls and try to control everything and bring it under your control somehow, it'll kill the revival. And if those people are smart, they won't put up with that either. They'll just say, leave us alone. We're having revival. Amen? And don't fall into the ditches of lawlessness or legalism, but stay on the path of righteousness and truth. Lawlessness is where... I mean, picture going down this path. As you're going down the path, you've got ditches on each side. Lawlessness is where you let things go on that should not be going on. Worldliness and all this garbage starts creeping in, and it's permitted. The other side is extreme legalism. This would be browbeating, and it's too much of a focus on rules and regulations and measuring up too much. It's legalistic. Either one of those are ditches on each side of the road. God wants us to stay on that path of righteousness, okay? Finally, few men in history have been able to find the delicate balance between letting the Lord use them or using the Lord. Did y'all catch that? You may need to read back over these notes and pray into them. Please do that, actually. Pray over me. Pray over the church. But think about it. Few men have been able to find that delicate balance of just simply letting the Lord use them, but not using the revival for their own personal gain. There have been people, and I, I'm thinking of somebody off the top of my head, saw great revival, but it got too much about, well, what's next? You know, what about my ministry? What, how am I, after this is over, what's going to happen? You know, they got too much about that, and they ended up getting lifted up with pride. It's not about us, and the revival is not about building our own name and our own fame. It's about the Lord being glorified, okay? Evan Roberts was driven by the conviction to only let God have all the glory. We have to make sure that we keep it to where only the Lord is getting all the glory. Evan Roberts was very big on that in the Welsh revival. He didn't want anybody to get any glory but Jesus. But William Seymour also had great wisdom in the Azusa Street Revival. Though William Seymour was great in humility, he was even more interested in keeping man's hands off the revival. He even locked out another religious leader, padlocked him out of the revival to keep him out because they were coming in, in his opinion, heavy-handed to try to control. William Seymour wanted to keep man's hands off the revival. He guarded it that way. And because of that, God sent the Azusa Street Revival, which lasted for years. And still to this day, those of you that have been baptized in the Holy Spirit speaking in tongues, your roots go back to what happened at Azusa Street. So that has, the Azusa Street has spread to the ends of the earth. Both of these are needed if we're going to see great revival. We need the Lord to get all the glory, but we need to keep man's hands off of it. So I gave you tonight about 10 things that the devil tries during revival. He wants to try to come against us in different ways, whether it be a Jezebel spirit, whether it be sowing division, in all these other areas I mentioned. Pray into this, but we've got to live our lives, what the Bible uses the word circumspect. We've got to be vigilant, We've got to keep our eyes open. We've got to keep our focus. Don't get too relaxed. Don't let your guard down. When revival breaks out, it is such a threat to Satan. Don't be surprised if some powerful forces aren't sent against the revival to come against it. And you need to make sure that you're walking close to the Lord. But let me just say, greater is he that's in us. As long as people are under the blood and they're going to keep a right spirit about them, they're going to stay under authority. They're going to guard themselves. You're going to be fine. It's people that, that begin to let their guard down and begin to let some things creep into their life. They're the ones that are in danger, okay? So anyway, if you could get her for me so she can shut things down. But Lord, we thank you so much for this night. We thank you for hearing and answering every prayer. We thank you, Lord, for the word going forth. And Lord, I pray, I, I have felt great resistance against this word tonight. Like few other times I preached. 
the devil does not want this word getting out to people but lord i pray in spite of that i pray lord that your holy spirit will anoint this word and get it out where it needs to go accomplishing that which it needs to do it will be powerful it will be effective and it will be fruitful for your glory and we thank you for it in jesus mighty name so here in a moment if you could please shut down recordings for me but here in a moment we're going to pray for people god's going to touch you mightily and let's just go ahead for a moment you can also after you do that if you would just um, play the music and we'll get ready but let's go ahead and put up the chairs and I mean, you guys getting ready for Pentecost conference just a few weeks away. It's going to be a powerful time. You can go ahead and push play on that iPod just whenever you get a chance.